We're going to turn to um, James, the book of James. And I'll read just a few verses from chapter 5 and then we'll come back to them in a moment. <coughs> James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You see the similarities there to the story this morning. The forgiveness of sins and then healing. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. We'll look at those verses in a little while. Just for a short time. But before we come to look at those verses... I think that it's important that we refer back to the book of James and to see what he's already spoken about in this short letter. And I'm only going to just quickly go over those points and they would be good for us to perhaps consider further in the future. But he spent some time in the first chapter talking about the various kinds of trials and everything else that we will have to go through as the children of God. And he says in verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. He then encourages those that are reading this letter, and of course us today, as the Church of Jesus Christ, to ask God for wisdom. And let's be honest, out of us this morning, I'm sure that we would all say that in the world in which we're living in today, we need wisdom. To navigate through life with everything that is going on around us and everything that is being thrown at us. And then he moves on to talk of the need for humility and then of steadfastness. <clears throat> and then it is from the pen of James again that we learn the importance of not just being hearers of the word, but doers of it as well. And I wonder how often we hear the word being preached or we hear the word of God being read and then that's the end of the story. We don't allow it to drop in and to have its effect within us so that we can become doers of what it is the Word of God says to us or the preached Word of God as God seeks to reveal to us through that. And it speaks of being obedient, each one of us, to the claims and the challenges that come or are found 
in the word of God. And then again it is from James, we learn the importance of controlling the tongue. <coughs> I wonder how many of us would say that we have been hurt simply by the words that people have spoken into our hearts and into our lives. And there used to be a phrase that was quite prominent. It was prominent when I was at school. And I know that my grandmother used to often speak it to me because I was picked up, picked on because of my shortness of stature. And she used to say to me, listen to this saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But that's a nonsense saying. I've proved that it's a nonsense saying. Yes, sticks and stones may break my bones, and I've broken a few. But I can assure you that there are words that have been spoken to me, or at me, or about me, and they have hurt me. And I'm sure we would all say that this morning. And so we can see that James sees the importance how we need to control what it is that we say with our tongues and with our lips. And then it was James again who reminds us that faith without works is dead. And often there's that controversial discussion that comes out, well, Paul says it is saved by faith, and James is saying faith without works is dead. But there's got to be the balance of the both, that we are saved by faith. And after we've come to accept Jesus Christ by, as our Saviour by faith, then our faith should be evident by the works that we do, the fruit of our lives. And then when we move into chapter 4, James warns against worldliness. And he warns against friendship with the world. And then he moves on to warn us about boasting about tomorrow. Reminding us that life is just like a vapour. And each one of us are here today, but not one of us this morning can guarantee that we're going to be here tomorrow. Because life comes and life goes. Because it is God that gives. And it is God that takes away. And not one of us knows exactly how many minutes or hours he has given us to live upon this earth. Before we will be standing before him as our maker. And then when we come to the fifth chapter. In verse 7 he says, be patient therefore. As he's listed all of these different things, which I've briefly touched upon this morning, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Verses 7 to 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And we need to learn patience today in this world in which we're living in. And it talks of the farmer waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He plants the seed and he has to wait patiently until he sees the buds coming forth and eventually, as a result of the sun and of the sunshine, the bud begins to produce the fruit that the farmer can then go out to 
harvest. And so James has covered a whole number of different subjects as we've gone through this very short epistle. And then we come to the verses that I've read this morning, which I'm going to read again. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him, if anyone, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So here in these verses, James asks three questions which require a response. And the three questions of these, is anyone among you suffering? The second question is, is anyone cheerful? And thirdly, is anyone among you sick? Now in answering those questions, we could answer them all with a yes, we could answer them all with a no, or we could have a mixture of yes and no. But if our answer is yes to any of those questions this morning, then James tells us exactly what it is we must do. So the first question, is there anyone suffering today? Well then James's answer is this, that you pray for yourself. That's the word of God. Is anyone suffering today? Then pray for yourself. James says, let him, or I will add, let her pray. And then the second question, is anyone cheerful? Well then James's answer to that question is, that if you say, yes, I am cheerful, then sing praise. So the individual who is cheerful in their heart must learn what it is to begin to sing praise. Let him or let her sing praise. But then when we come to the third question, he says, is anyone among you sick? And it is only with this question that James calls for somebody else to do something about it. But firstly, he calls, it that says that it is the responsibility of the one who is sick to take on or to take, make the first move. And that is that he or her should call for the elders of the church. And then he says, let them. You call, then let them. Let the elders of the church pray over the sick and then anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, in considering this third question, is anyone among you sick? I want us to understand that when we look at this question and use that word sick, is anyone among you sick? I believe that we need to look at this word sick or sickness in a much wider, wider way than we normally would think of somebody who is physically ill. Because I believe that James is given the uh, commandment here, the welcome here, 
for those who are sick, not just physically, but for those who may be sick mentally, or for those who may be sick emotionally, or for those who might be sick spiritually, to call the elders of the church and to ask them to pray and to lay hands and to anoint oil so that the prayer that is offered in faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And there's no doubt about it. And my thoughts for this morning sprung out from our prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. There is no doubt about it that there are many within the church, within the body of Christ, who are physically sick. And we need to call the elders. We need to pray. We need to move in such a way that God can move. And we can see his hand coming and touching and anointing and healing those who are physically sick. But I believe at the same time, there are those who may be sick mentally. There may be those who are sick emotionally. And there may be those who are sick spiritually. And they need that we pray with them. That God would minister to them and restore them to be of a sound mind again. And to be emotionally stable. And to know what it is to be spiritually right in their walk with the one who has redeemed them. And as I consider James's letter, as I've gone through those various things, and I've come to these verses in James chapter 5, what I see concerning this man, James, who was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that he is a man who has a heart, and he has a heart for the people of God. He has a heart which wants to see healthy congregations and churches. He is a man who wants to see healthy individuals. He wants us today to look at this in three different ways. He wants us to be men and women who are right upwardly in our relationship with God. He wants us to see us as men and women who are right outwardly towards each other as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And he wants us to see that each one of us is right inwardly. Upwardly, outwardly, and inwardly, that not one of us is spiritually sick in any way which is going to affect us into being who God wants us to be. See, James wants us to be those who are right in our body and in our soul and in our spirit. See, his letter touches very clearly on every and all aspects of our relationships towards God our relationships towards one another, our relationship to ourselves inwardly, and he even throws in the importance of our relationship and attitude towards those who are unsaved and are still in the world. And so, as I've said, I've been challenged recently, in particular, to the third question. And I've been giving ministry over the last few Fridays when I have been sharing God's word concerning the evidence of the power that is found in the name of Jesus. And I've been referring us to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 3 on the occasion when Jesus, uh, when Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And as they made their way to the temple, they saw this lame man who had been lame from birth, who was carried every day to the temple to ask of alms of those who passed by. But we get to Peter and John, 
and they are making their way up and they see this man and it says that Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and this is what they said to this man look at us and he fixed his eyes on them and Peter said I have no silver I have no gold but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and immediately as the apostles exercised the authority that was to be found in the name of Jesus this man got up and it says that leaping and jumping he went into the temple and he was praising the Lord see there's power in the name of Jesus there's power over sickness there's power over the sickness of the mind there's power over sickness that involves our emotions and there is power over the sickness that affects us physically with our human frame and we prayed so much for many who have been or who are sick and we thank God for the good and the positive news there are those we've been praying for in Australia, somebody that Jennifer brought into this place for us to pray. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. None of us have been to her. None of us have touched her and laid hands on her. But we have believed that there's power as we pray in the name of Jesus. And this lady is well again. And we give God all the glory. And why can't it happen in this place? And I believe God wants it to happen in this place as we begin to recognise and realise that we need to come to him. We need to call the elders of the church. We need to pray, believing that the prayer of faith will save the sick. I believe that what we need, and these are the two thoughts that God laid on my heart on Thursday morning as I began to look at this epistle and especially to look at these verses. We need to ask that God would, first of all, increase our faith. Increase our faith. We read in the scriptures where he talks of those of little faith, those of great faith, of the one that came concerning his son. I've not seen such great faith in Israel. And because of that, just spoke the word and the servant was healed. And I believe that we need to ask that God would increase our faith so that we begin to see things happen <coughs> in this place. Not for our glory, not for our praise, but that all the glory goes to him because he alone is worthy. And the second thing is, that links exactly almost the same in many respects, but this is what God laid upon my heart, to raise our expectations. To raise our expectations. And I tell you, if we truly want to have our faith increased and we want our expectations to be raised, then we need to be running to the house of God. We need to be coming here with expectancy. We need to be coming here with, with fervency. We need to be coming here knowing that we're coming not just to meet with each other for fellowship, but we're coming to meet with the Lord God himself. We're coming to meet with Jesus, the one who is the name that is above every other name, the name which every tongue will bow, must, every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I read that little song there at the beginning concerning Jerusalem. And what does it say there in that song? <clears throat> I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. 
And I believe as we begin to see God moving amongst us, if we truly place ourselves in the place, in the situation where our faith is increased and our expectations are raised, we will see things happening that we will be glad. We'll be running, we'll be wanting to come to the house of the Lord because this is the place where we can do business with God and God does business with us. Notice there are three things that come out of this short narrative at the end of James. It's prayer, pray, it's praise, sing hymns, and then it's power, power. As we begin to pray for ourselves, as we begin to pray for one another, as we begin to praise, as we ought to be praising, recognising of what Christ has really done for us and is doing us, he is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy of every ounce of praise and adoration and thanksgiving that we can lift from our hearts to worship him. And as we become effective in our praying and effective in our praise, we, I believe we will see the power of God. And I'm going to use this word res respectfully this morning. We will see the power of God unleashed amongst us in such a way that we will see amazing things happening. I believe that God wants to touch today. I believe that with all of my heart. He doesn't want us to be wandering around with depressions and, and everything else that bothers us and weighs us down and causes us to be restricted in so many ways. He doesn't want us to be weighed down with afflictions and with diseases. And I'm speaking to myself this morning because I know what it is to suffer sometimes with such excruciating pain with my Crohn's disease. But God is able. I believe that. That God is able because he's the all-powerful God. And there is nothing absolutely nothing that is impossible to him. And so I want to just leave that thought with us this morning. Let's begin to be people that will allow our faith to be increased and our expectations to be raised so that when we come into this place and when we leave this place, each time that it happens, we will go out knowing that we've met with God in ways perhaps that we've never met with him before and we'll see him being glorified and exalted amongst us. And something I shared again on um, a Friday evening when we were looking again at, at the book of Acts, it says there um, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and la laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Uh, this is a verse that people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem. They came. They knew there was something happening. And the people came from the towns around Jerusalem. And they were bringing the sick. And they were bringing those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all. Not one or two. Not three or four. Not five or six. Not a dozen or two dozen. However many it came. It says they were all healed. Why? Because the apostles knew that there was power in the name of Jesus. There was authority in the name of Jesus. There was authority that was invested in them as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to work out and move out in obedience. Oh, may God do something amongst us.
May God do something amongst us. And as I said already, I'm speaking to my heart. I need that God would deal with me as well. That I would be in that place where I could be a man that God could use. Where his authority could be used through me to see bodies healed. And the demon possessed set free. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. I've seen it before. I want to see it again. I've told you the testimony before of a young guy, a young lad just about four or five years of age who actually died two or three times. And when I visited him in the hospital, I was weeping with his mother. I was weeping with others who were there because the hospital said that there was nothing they could do for him. He was just being kept alive on the machine. And as I left that evening, it was a Sunday evening, I went into the room where the staff of the hospital were. And I say this now to the glory of God. I laid hands on him. Tears running down my face. Because I thought at that moment I was going to have to go home. And in the morning tell my son who was his best friend at school. That his friend had died. But praise God that boy was in school in a few days time. God healed him. God raised him up. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power and friends. We need to allow our faith to increase. We need to shut the world out. And the time we spend with the things of the world. We need to shut it out. Because if those things are filling our life. Then the power of God can't get in. Because we're filled with rubbish. And everything else. Which is hindering what God wants to do amongst us. We need to let out all that is not of God. So that we can be filled afresh. Fill me anew Lord. Fill me in you. Fill us in you. That we will be a people that you can use for the praise and glory of your name. Maybe we've got to stop finding excuses for why we're not in the house of the Lord. Maybe we've got to stop making excuses and finding excuses that are stopping us from coming into this place. I don't know what it is in your life. I, I've got to speak to me. And as I speak, I believe that God is speaking through me to each one of us. We all need to find out what are these things? What is it that's stopping the flow that we want in this place? And we need to address every issue so that we can come with hearts that are open. And as we come with those hearts, God will fill. 